Welcome to Who's Talking. This is D.G. Martin, and my guest is John May. John is a successful, um, maybe I should say was a successful businessman, and is also a wonderful author, one of my favorites. Uh, His his fiction, Fanny and Poe, was one of the best books I ever read. And he's now turned his attention to nonfiction, to a topic that interests us all, and that is uh, our founding myth, I guess, is the lost colony. And John, you're, you've got a book uh, uh, which will we expect to be published next year uh, by McFarland with the two tentative titles, one English American Introduction to the Lost Colony in Jamestown. And what's your other other? <laughs> the, the, <clears throat> the latest iteration is uh, the founding of English America. Well, let me ask you this question. Uh, a lot has been written about the lost colony. Why do we need another book about the lost colony? Well, um, I believe that the lost colony by itself is a fascinating topic, but it's part of a larger story that includes the Jamestown colony. Uh, the lost colony um, was intended to go to the Chesapeake Bay. But um, that did not happen for various and sundry reasons that are complicated. But I think that, that the two colonies together constitute one discrete turn of events, historical turn of events. What were those? What, what, what is the context? We, we, I mean, again, we've gone to see the lost colony and we've heard about it. And uh, we have an idea about it as a single event. What what what? What was that single event, and how did you merge it into a second event? Well, in the, <clears throat> the, the 1585 lost colony, the 1585 colony that was established mm-hmm. by Walter Raleigh was looking for a, a harbor in North America that could accommodate a fleet of ships. Walter Raleigh was interested in a privateering base um, to attack Spanish shipping. But the, the coast of North Carolina is not suitable for that because entries into the Pamlico Sound, and, the, and, the, and there are none today into the Albemarle Sound, uh, prevented large ships from getting into the interior waters where they were, had safe harbor. So during that 1585, the, the, the year, 1585-86, that the first colony was, was in Roanoke, they explored extensively and discovered the Chesapeake Bay and realized it was a much better location. It had enough depth and capacity to, to shelter every ship in England, and so they decided to move there, um, either that colony or a future colony. I see. So, I mean, it, it makes a little bit of sense because although we, we're so far away from the lost colony and from the Chesapeake Bay— uh, we don't realize how close those two uh, geographic entities are together. So the uh, lost colonies are close to the Chesapeake, close to Norfolk, Newport News, a lot closer than it is to uh, Raleigh uh, to, or to interior of North Carolina. True. The uh, Roanoke Island is 75 miles south of the Chesapeake Bay. Well, you also – but you don't give up on the uh, – Part that some people in England had uh, the idea that there could be a, a, a sustaining colony 
forgetting about the pirateering uh, base, but that you could find some gold and silver and you could uh, exploit the natives and you could uh, find out a way to make a living. Ultimately, maybe even do some tobacco. But, but I mean, the, the, the idea of a, of a regular colon, colony wasn't set aside as Sir Walter Raleigh's uh, main idea was to find a pirating base. That's true. That was only one of several objectives. Uh, of course, the, the prize was uh, uh, getting to the, to the Orient, to the Far oh, East. Oh, talk about that. And uh, it was believed that North it, the, the, the English had no idea the extent of the North American continent. Uh, they had the simple notion that they could could um, reach a continental divide fairly easily and find a west flowing river that would take them into the Pacific Ocean. And this persisted for many years. This idea persisted for many years. So that was another objective. Converting the Native Americans to Christianity was certainly an objective. Um, finding gold or precious minerals was, was, was yet another objective. So th- it was a, a multifaceted um, program. Where did the money come from to, f- to fund these uh, colonizing efforts in, in, in the uh, lost colony? It, right. it primarily came from privateering. Uh, Raleigh had no state funding behind him. He had the loan of one ship and, and um, 400 pounds worth of gunpowder <laughs> so he from had, the queen, and that's it. Everything else, uh, he had to raise that money himself. And, and you said that money came from pirateering? Came from, from privateering, uh, which is different from pirating. Okay. Uh, in that legal, it, legal it pirating. Legal pirating, exactly. Um, and every venture, every venture that Raleigh sent out had a secondary goal of finding a Spanish ship to plunder. To pay for the expedition, he, despite the fact that he had a huge income by virtue of the queen's largesse, uh, he did not have enough money to fund an expedition of several ships for the better part of a year with crew and all the supplies that were necessary. So, had Raleigh gotten rich on this? Had he already gotten rich on? Pirating ships, private privateering ships. He got rich because the queen liked him. He was her favorite for, for, for quite a while, and he remained loyal to her to the end. He was fiercely loyal to Queen Elizabeth. But she gave him a patent on the import of wines. So every pub in England uh, had to pay a fee to Walter Raleigh, and this provided him with an annual income of what today would be many hundreds of thousands of dollars. Wow. So... so uh there was all that's what money he had now there was also the idea that you 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 talk about a little bit in your book uh, that he had the right that would for at least so many years maybe 7 years that anything that was uh, found in north america and colonized if he established a colony he owned it he owned the continent he as owned, far as the British were concerned. Literally, if he could establish a permanent colony within seven years, he owned the bulk of the continent. Now, but Having he, no idea of its extent, of course. But he sort of lost interest, did he, in this? When the, when the colony proved unprofitable, um, 
no route to the Pacific was found, no precious minerals were found. The Indians proved to be recalcitrant, um, and there was no uh, adequate harbor to 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 accommodate a, a base, a, a fleet of ships. Um, he was losing money hand over fist, and um, naturally lost interest in it. Um, his head was turned by um, other myths. Well, well <laughs> if, if you just joined us, I'm visiting with uh, John May. John has written a new book uh, about the lost colony and its relationship with uh, the Jamestown colony. And uh, he and I will be right back. Welcome back to Who's Talking. This is D.G. Martin, and my guest is John uh, John May. I'm going to turn you into John White if you don't <laughs> watch out. We're, if the, uh, you'll understand my slip-up if you'll uh, remember that we're talking about one of our topics is the lost colony and uh, the real connection to Sir Walter Raleigh. John, you won't say this, but although uh, Sir Walter Raleigh is a major figure in the uh, – Lost Colony production and in our discussion and in the names of our cities, he really didn't have much to do with their colony once it got going, did he? He never set foot on North American soil in his lifetime. So uh, he really did not. His his involvement was very brief. One of the points of your new book is that the uh, the, the colony at Jamestown is intimately connected to the uh, lost colony, but Sir Walter Raleigh had nothing to do with the Jamestown colony. Am I right about that? You're right. That's exactly well, what, right. what is the connective link? Well, the connective link is a man named Richard Hacklett, um, whose name looks unpronounceable. But looks it like is, a Czech name. It, it is Hacklett is the correct pronunciation. I'd never heard of this guy. So who is And he? most people haven't. Um, but he was, he, was a, um, he was a cleric, actually. He's British. He's, He's British and contemporary of. Uh, he he and Walter Raleigh probably met in college, um, and his passion was the New World, and he believed very strongly that England should have a presence in the New World, and he um, advocated for that and wrote about that um, for his in, in his entire lifetime. You say that he wrote a memo to Queen Elizabeth. Raleigh hired him to write a, a, a prospectus to, for Queen Elizabeth's ears only, um, encouraging her to invest in a what North American What did the um, memo prospectus, what did it say? Well, it, um, it, it talked about the benefits of a colony in the New World. Like, like what, what, did he, what, did he, what did he try to sell us? Well, very much the same thing we were talking about earlier, the prospect of – of converting the natives to Christianity, the prospect of finding um, precious minerals, the prospect of, of crossing the North American continent to find an easy route to the Pacific. Uh, those were the same objectives that, re- that, that drove the Roanoke colony and also the Jamestown colony. Now, did the people who were fi- founding the Jamestown colony have – did they, they, of course, had access to his memo, but did he – was he active in – presenting these ideas to the Jamestown sponsors? Um, <clears throat> well, by the time that, that Jamestown was conceived, Raleigh was in prison. But Hacklett, Hack- Hacklett, I'm sorry, 
yes, Hacklett was still the prime uh, mover. Um, so your connective link is this guy's ideas. Yes. Uh, he, he was selling these ideas to Raleigh and Queen Elizabeth and the other sponsors of the uh, Lost Colony. And he later on also selling them to another group of people who were establishing, interested in establishing a colony that resulted in the Jamestown colony. Exactly. The um, I, I want to back up just a little bit because you said that that the, the intention was to the original intention was to settle the lost colony colony on the Chesapeake Bay, and that why didn't that happen if that's what everybody wanted? Well, the there was a uh, a member of the Roanoke colony named John White. He was an artist. He was hired by Raleigh to go in the 1585 expedition to Roanoke Island to 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 do watercolors of the natives and the region. And these are marvelous paintings. They're in the British Museum today. Um, when the first colony failed, John White was the prime mover in the second Roanoke oh. colony that became the lost colony. His daughter was um, Virginia Dare's mother, Eleanor Dare. So, um, and he came with his daughter, in the second colony that sailed in 1586, 1587. Um, and uh, he uh, ended up going back to England for additional supplies and was never able to get back to, to, to rescue his daughter and the other colonists because of war with Spain, the sailing of the Spanish Armada in 1588. So that's, that's, that, that's the lost colony became lost because they were essentially abandoned due to war with Spain. How did it? How did the idea get resurrected, and the, the, with the result of the Jamestown colony? Well, it, it was White's intention to establish his colony on the Chesapeake Bay, but uh, for various reasons that are pretty complicated, uh, he was unable to do that. He was dumped at Roanoke. Uh, primarily because the, cap the, the, the captain of the ship, whose name was Simon Fernandez, he was Portuguese. Um, Fernandez believed that the Spanish knew that they were going to the Chesapeake Bay and would attack the colony if he settled it there. So perhaps he was using his best judgment to try to avoid disaster. At, at any rate, White got left at Jamestown, I mean at Roanoke Island instead of the Chesapeake Bay. So uh, the, all of us know the story about what happened next is that the lost colony, dis, in, in effect, disappeared. How did the um, J Jamestown – there were several years before Jamestown came along. What was happening then? The, <clears throat> the lost colony was abandoned in 1590. Um, Jamestown did not – was not founded until 1606. So in the duration, there was – the sailing of the Spanish Armada continued war with Spain during the 1590s and ultimately the death of Queen Elizabeth in 1603. She was succeeded by James I. She was James VI of Scotland. And, um, and he was not particularly interested in New World adventurism. Um, Elizabeth had never been interested in investing directly in it herself. It was just not something the crown wanted to do. Um, so it took merchants from London and, um, and 
seagoing merchants from the west part of England um, brought together by uh, Richard Hacklett to create the Jamestown colony. Well, t- tell us a little bit more about how that happened. D- d- they just the ships the ships didn't just leave. Where uh, how did did they attract colonists from the beginning to uh, come? And and how did they persuade new people to uh, be colonizers when the old colonizers at the lost colony had kind of disappeared? There was. An, well, it wasn't easy. <clears throat> um, trying to find recruits proved to be very difficult. And they also had to raise money, so they had to find investors as well. Um, but it was uh, ultimately considered sort of a, a, a national um, pride of honor to, 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 to go. Um, still, they had trouble recruiting recruits. That they, they could recruit soldiers. Um, usually, these were the younger sons of of aristocrats, see who had no inheritance to look forward to, um, and they thought the new world might be a place they could they could make a name for themselves and s- strike it rich, which proved to be um, impossible how, or difficult for years. How many colonists, and when did they come? How, what, what, how did the colony get started? They didn't. They didn't just send boatloads and boatloads of colonists without uh, establishing some kind of presence uh, b- before the colonists came, or did they? Well, for Jamestown, yeah. they did. They came with three ships, and uh, they carried, I can't remember the, the number of colonists, but over 100, all men. Um, most, about 50% of them were gentlemen. They were volunteers, and the other 50% were um, in, included some professionals like uh, brick masons and, and bakers and that sort of thing. Uh, but for a great, to a great extent, they were just um, um, the dregs of English society. They were in- inmates in prison. So two, great, two groups, one of the ingrates of society and one of these uh, second and third sons of famous families. Exactly. It, it's sort of two ends of the spectrum. Um, people were let out of prison if they volunteered to migrate to America. Well, the um, the lost colonists had mixed results in terms of their efforts to deal peacefully with the Native American population uh, around Roanoke Island. What what kind of uh, success or failure did the uh, colonists in Jamestown have with the uh, Native Americans who surrounded or who lived in that area that they were colonizing? Um, they had uh, initially they had a little better success, um, primarily because the Algonquin chief Powhatan or Powhatan. I uh, say Powhatan. Powhatan. But what's the correct? What's the correct? <clears throat> well, I, I, it, I don't I, know yet. <laughs> I think it depends on. What era you are? I think in the Elizabethan era it was Powhatan. Uh, today it is a Powhatan. Okay. Um, he was a very he was a wise man. He was an, an older man. He was probably in his sixties when the Jamestown Collis arrived, and he knew they were coming. He knew that Europeans were coming. How did he know? How did he know? Well, they had been there before. 
they had been to the Chesapeake before. There had been a, uh, an incident about uh, 1560s uh, that had been tragic for one of the Indian tribes. Was, this was a Spanish ship uh, uh, and a Jesuit, uh, setting up a Jesuit mission uh, which failed um, and had disastrous results with the Indians. And then also he obviously knew about the Roanoke uh, colony and the and the, the conflict between the Indians, the Algonquins of North Carolina. Well, what, and, was there a relationship between the North Carolina Indians and the uh, Chesapeake Bay Indians? Only uh, that they spoke the same language and they were part of the same na- Indian nation, the Algonquins. So, um, uh, but Powhatan ruled a a, a thirty tribes. He had he had. Um, um, he ruled a large area, whereas in North Carolina, the Algonquin tribes were separate and, and not joined together in a confederation like there was in Tidewater, Virginia. One of the things that you pointed out that was hard, hard for me to accept was that, uh, first of all, if you looked at the, if you kind of looked around in the woodlands of this area, you wouldn't, you wouldn't know any, you wouldn't know, believe anybody lived there. It looked deserted, but that may, maybe if there were about two or three people to an acre of land, and, and that was about as many as that much land could feed in the way that they were exploiting it. So that um, although it looked deserted, the Indians felt like they were, you know, it was theirs and that they were using all of it. The, the, because of their um, way of life, they needed large territory to feed um, a relatively small population. And you're right. The, 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 uh, the population of, of these areas, Jamestown, Roanoke Island, was about two individuals per square mile, two to three individuals per square mile, whereas in England it was 70 per, per square mile. So the, the region did look um, uninhabited. Empty. looked empty. Well, what happened once the uh, Jamestown colonists in this first group of ships with hundred or more colonizers, how did it, how was it organized? Who was in charge? It was a committee of um, seven, I believe, with one um, president. The president had two votes and the other members of the committee had one. Uh, it was not a practical arrangement, and there was a lot of infighting among those who were appointed to the committee, but uh, one person in particular emerged as the real leader, and that was John Smith, who well, we know as Captain John Smith. Good place to take a break, because John Smith, of course, is a familiar name, and we'll talk about uh, John Smith and maybe even about Powhatan's daughter, Pocahontas, uh, after this short break. Welcome back to Who's Talking. This is D.G. Martin. If you join us late, I'm visiting with our friend John May. John uh, lives in Chapel Hill, uh, formerly a successful businessman. He's turned a historic history study and writing and and still a semi-fiction writing as well. I'm a great admirer, John, and I appreciate your joining us. We're talking about uh, your new book, which will be published uh, uh, sometime next year, 
which talks about uh, the colony, the Virginia colony of Jamestown in the context and as a part of uh, English efforts, which included the lost colony. Right now, you've uh, taken us to the Virginia organization times and that one of the leaders of that Virginia colony was an Englishman named John Smith. Uh, that's, that rings a bell for all of us who went to kindergarten in, in America. Tell us some more about John Smith and how he fit in the colonizing efforts. Well, he was a fascinating man. He, he was 25 years old, 26 years old, when he went to Jamestown and uh, as a member of the first council. Uh, he had, but by this time, he had already had uh, more adventures than, than um, anybody else we can imagine. He had, uh, he had fought uh, with the, um, the, the, um, the European, um, what do I want? I'm, Some of the private armies in, in uh, Europe, uh, which, which you don't know. Against the Turks. The Ottoman Turks were invading and the Holy Roman Empire was trying to prevent that invasion and he volunteered to fight for them. He uh, claimed that he, um, in, in um, lieu of uh, all-out battle, that he had fought three single combats and been victorious in all three and cut the heads of his victims off and presented them to his, his um, commander. Um, it, it reads like a tall tale, but um, later historians... Um, and biographers um, checked his his place names and facts and found him very credible. Um, so he had he had a lot of experience by the time he went to. How did he happen to come back to England and get involved in he this just adventure? Ar- he just arrived back at the right time. He had um, he had actually ended up joining pirates uh, off the coast of Spain and and been captured and uh, was finally released. And he, he got back to England in 1604, just as the Jamestown colony was being conceived. Was he recruited or did he just see that going on and say, well, I might be able to exploit that. That's my, that's my deal. Uh, I think that he had, a, uh, he had a patron who alerted the people organizing the Jamestown colony that was he, he would recruited, be a good— Recruited to be, recruited to be a, le- a leader? He was recruited uh, not necessarily. Um, the, the names of the council were kept secret until the Jamestown colony actually arrived in Virginia. So he didn't know he would be part of that or not. He was just recruited as a, as, as a soldier. Then what happened? He emerged because he was very successful in trading with the Algonquins for food. And the Jamestown colonists needed food badly. They were unable to feed themselves. And um, he just um, had the right uh, mix of, of friendly greeting and followed by forcefulness, if necessary, to get the job done. Did the English have anybody who spoke the Algonquin language? They did not, although they did have a, an English Algonquin dictionary that had been compiled by one of Walter Raleigh's colonists at Roanoke Island. So they, they, they had that to go by, um, and um, Smith probably pretty quickly picked up some of the language because of his trading activities. I put myself in the shoes of the Indians or the Na- Native Americans, the Algonquins, or Powhatan, Powhatan. I say, I'm going to have to say Powhatan. <laughs> <laughs> 
But uh, <clears throat> here, they're, they're, uh, the, the Native Americans are established. The Algonquins are established. They have this organized way of, 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 of ruling themselves. And all of a sudden, these English appear. What is it that makes the Algonquins willing to even let the uh, English stay for a minute? Well, I believe that Powhatan was very much more informed than we would give him credit for. I think he, he, he knew about the lost colony and the disaster that had occurred there between the English and the Algonquins there. And he knew about um, European incursions into the Chesapeake Bay even before he came to power. So he was expecting they would come back. And I think he had a, a strategy for dealing with them. I think he wanted to befriend them because he understood they had weapons that were more powerful than his and they, they had uh, knowledge and trade goods that he wanted very badly. So he, I think he felt that if he could, could subsume the, the Jamestown colony into his kingdom, uh, that he could deal with his domestic enemies more easily. Well, we read that uh, at some point of uh, Powhatan and the English colonies fell out and that John Smith was a captive of the, of the Indians that were working under Powhatan and they were, they were going to bang his head off or cut his head off. So what happened to um, uh, uh, frustrate both Powhatan's uh, aspirations and those of the Englishmen? They, they came into conflict. Well, Smith was captured um, – on a, he, he was trying to find the headwaters of the Chickahominy River when he was captured. And he was, um, it, it was known by his captors that he was the leader of the English. And, the, and so they preserved him to, in order to try to accomplish what I just described as Powhatan's strategy to befriend the English. He was, he was taken on an odyssey to meet tribal, le tribal leaders among the 30 tribes that Powhatan ruled and then ultimately taken to Powhatan himself for a ceremony that I believe was a ritual execution. It was not intended. He was not intended to be mm -hmm. executed. Uh, he had been prepared for this by the shamans of the Algonquin nation, and uh, he had been through a, a, a re-education three days at their um, ultimate religious, at their primary religious So, so is it fair to say that as— as a part of becoming um, either a part of the Indian group or as a friend of the Indian group, they had to pretend to kill you so that you come back in as, almost as a different person. Exactly. It was wow. a ritual they called the Huskinal, which, was, which they used for young men who were um, approaching puberty. As a, as a, a, they took them deep into the woods for a period of several months and, and with brutal training, and they put they they essentially put John Smith through that. Um, it wasn't as as, as brutal, but at, at any rate, he, he was he was brought to Powhatan, and he, he went through this ritual um, execution, which I think was intended to turn him into an Algonquin Indian. And then Powhatan offered him a territory. 
and uh, that he would respect him as his own son and probably that he would um, mate him with one of Powhatan's daughters to establish a kinship bond. Well, let's talk about that more after this short break. If you join us late, I'm visiting with John May about the new book that uh, uh, about the Jamestown colony and the lost colony being a part of the same effort. Uh, John May and I'll be right back. Welcome back to Who's Talking. This is D.G. Martin. My guest is John May. John May is the author of an upcoming book which uh, explains how the Lost Colonies is a part of an overall British or English colonization effort that includes the Jamestown colonies. John, you've taken us to the point where this guy, John Smith, whom all of us remember from kindergarten days, but you didn't mention Pocahontas in your description of John Smith's relationship with Powhatan and with the other Indians there. What, uh, how did Pocahontas come into the picture? Well, she was reputedly to be Powhatan's favorite daughter. Uh, he had many wives and many children, probably over a hundred. Um, but um, the English colonists spoke so highly of her. She was obviously uh, a star within her uh, within her tribe. And um, it, it, it may well be that Powhatan intended to mate her with John Smith in order to establish a kinship bond. Uh, their children would be his descendants. Uh, this was not unique to the Algonquins. Uh, English and European royalty often um, created alliances with marriage and marriages involving minor Children, children of minor age. So it was a very European thing for him to do uh, in that respect. Um, how they met is, is, is difficult to say. Um, did she save his life? I came to the conclusion that she did not, that he was not intended to be killed in the first place. But she was obviously there in some capacity, um, and that's when they met. That would have been in early... January 1608, um, and um, thereafter, she began coming, leading a party to the Jamestown colony, uh, bringing food, and had she not done that throughout the spring of 1608, the English colony would have starved to death. Um, she arrived just about once a week uh, with food, corn, Wild game, uh, enough to keep the keep the colony alive. Did, did that continue? It continued probably for six months, maybe a little longer. Um, and when summer came in June, John Smith left and began an exploration of the Chesapeake Bay, which which took him three months. Um, and when he returned, Powhatan had come to the conclusion that Smith was not serious. Uh, in trying to create, create the alliance that Powhatan wanted to create. And so friction began to, to come into play. How did that manifest itself, the friction? Um, well, John Smith got word um, from several people, Pocahontas included, that Powhatan intended to kill him. And <clears throat> um, Smith had, had rebuffed Powhatan's offer of a territory— 
uh, Powhatan wanted to move him closer to his royal city, which was called Werewo Wacomico on the on the Pamunkey River, now the York River. Uh, he didn't want him on the James River because he was too far away. He wanted more control. Smith would not go along with that, and uh, things sort of went downhill from there. What do you mean? What 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 happened? Well, we just got a we just got a few minutes, but well, tell us what, what Smith was injured in. Smith was in badly injured uh, in a in a gunpowder explosion, which may have been an attempt on his life, and um, was so badly injured that he had to return to England. And um, and and in his place came people who were less willing to, uh, to tolerate the Indians. So that relationship broke down. Gosh, we'll have to get together some other time and discuss this in detail. But ultimately, ultimately, the the colony was became to be in real trouble. I mean, it had no food, and uh, the disease and bad conditions were killing all the people. And yet, at some point. Things bloomed in Virginia. What happened? Well, tobacco happened. (laughs) (laughs) Tobacco was the goal that English had been searching for all along. And once that happened, the need for land— How did did tobacco—tobacco had been there all along, hadn't it? Tobacco had been there all along. How did it explode into the wonderful economic benefit that it was to the Virginia colonists? Well, the the tobacco the Algonquins uh, used, smoked primarily— uh, was a different variety than the tobacco that we know today. It was, I think, nine times more um, toxic, or to- not toxic, but had nine times the nicotine. So it was really a, a major drug. What happened was that an English settler planted tobacco seeds that came from the Caribbean that were milder and um, that uh, could be sold in England. And... Um, it flourished. I it mean, didn't, it, would you say that the uh, discovery of the, this new variety or different variety of tobacco, that saved the colony and, and it uh, resulted in a very prosperous successor group of people who came to colonize? Yeah, I would say so. I would say tobacco was the turning point. Well, uh, tell us about, in a minute or two, about your uh, decision to write a book about this and the uh, – different experiences you've gotten trying to get it published? Well, I've, I've been wanting to write this book for 30 years. Uh, I was a sailor for a long time, and um, I got interested in Voyage of Discovery um, narratives as, as the uh, quintennial of Columbus dis- Columbus's discovery of America came around in 1992. Um, and I started reading about it then. I've been really reading it on and off ever since. Um, my fascination was with, particularly with a ship called the Sea Venture that uh, we, we don't have time to talk about, but it's an amazing story about a shipwreck, and it became um, the inspiration for William Shakespeare's mm. The Tempest. Oh, well, I do want to talk about that sometime. The, 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 the colonies that got separated and landed in Bermuda and wanted to stay there. <laughs> yes, it's fascinating Okay, we, we will on another day. I'd love to. Do that story, which is... Uh, a part of your story about the colonies, but also wonderfully separate. John May, I wish we could talk all afternoon. Thank you for coming. Thank you, D.G. Thanks to all y'all for listening. This is D.G. Martin, who's talking, and I'll be back here before you know it. <laughs>